Transit tech is civic tech. Technology thing enhanced by AI. Imagine if a transit agency spent $2 million building technology thing enhanced by AI that doesn't make public transit easier, isn't associated with increased ridership, and never motivates a person to take a train instead of a car. But thing was delivered on time and won an innovation award. In one form or another, technology thing is omnipresent in the shower thoughts and napkin sketches of government decision makers soon to be putting their finishing touches on a business justification to fund more cool stuff. Is this the high-impact work we left the higher-paying private sector for? What can be done about technology thing? Our suggestion, transit tech teams working in government must adopt rider-centric methods to avoid the threat of initiatives that don't address the public's concern. This essay was prep work for a talk of the same title I did with Kristen Taylor for Transportation Camp NYC 2023. In it, we contrasted two potential ways of building a hypothetical mobile app for public transit riders. In working on this, I've become more convinced that only with a civic tech approach can transit tech teams align with the broader agency priorities they reside within and rider goals while making it easier to build technology correctly the first time. Unfortunately, many transit tech teams are structured, situated, or run like gov tech teams instead of civic tech teams, making it harder to perform rider experience research to inform their work. Without a rider-led structure, these teams drift into technology-first approaches, prioritizing internal strengths and tech interests. The Migration to Transit Tech U.S. government agencies with fully staffed, highly competent, in-house civic tech teams have slowly been emerging in public transit over the past 10 years. Over time, we've seen many technologists, for example, software engineers like me, join government agencies, leaving the private sector to have a more impactful career. We've brought our experience with modern practices such as Agile and DevOps. Additionally, UX designers, user researchers, content strategists, and product managers, essential product team members, have brought their deep industry experience as well. Just like the implementation folks leaving the private sector, at the leadership level, many transit tech directors and chiefs also lack deep understanding of civic tech methods, especially in the areas of discovery, since their backgrounds are usually in government or consulting, which tend to see businesses as key customers, not the public. Now, Kristen has been telling me that everybody knows what civic tech is and everything I have to say about the topic is unoriginal and boring. Thanks, Kristen. Still, in talking to people at various transit agencies, I don't agree that it's widely understood. So apologies if you know all this, but civic technology or civic tech is technology that's meant to enhance the relationship between people and the government. It's not tech built for internal government stakeholders. That's GovTech. When a government agency uses civic tech methods, it should align so closely with the needs of the public that it effectively becomes customer-led, or in this case, rider-led. With so few experienced civic tech folks working in transit tech, theoretical or mismatched approaches fill an operating and strategy gap. Unchecked, this problem leads to implementation teams failing to meet rider needs because they build the wrong things. The inside-out approach. In researching this topic, I was astonished to learn that there's a name strategy that encapsulates many of the concerns I have about transit tech organizations, the inside-out approach. Without a truly rider-centric approach that looks outside for insights, transit tech teams look inside and inadvertently adopt this strategy, which emphasizes the organization's internal capabilities, knowledge, and expertise. 
This may not sound bad. Hey, why not play to your strengths? But ultimately, it competes with writer centrism. The outcome is a product development process guided by what the organization knows and can do well, even when that doesn't match up with what the public really needs. This approach is easily recognizable as it relies on internal brainstorming sessions and thought leadership with decisions driven by influential team members. In so many ways, the inside-out approach is lacking, including the following, customer centricity. It focuses on internal capabilities and interests. Market alignment. It seeks to promote these internal strengths not aligned to the market. Innovation relevance. It biases towards innovation through technology for technology's sake. Feedback integration. Customer feedback comes late in the process when it's most difficult to address. Value creation. Well, value creation may be incidental, secondary, or unmeasured. The inside-out approach has a place in the world. For example, it is good for a startup that sells a proprietary technology, has specialized expertise, or unique internal capabilities. Think of a company like OpenAI employing AI innovators and enabling them to lean into their strengths. Sounds like a great idea. Unfortunately, public transit agencies are not startups, and innovative solutions must make public transit easier to use, even if they depend on boring old technology and procurement innovation. Ironically, rider experience research is important in this model. I'm simplifying, but it becomes asking questions like, what do you think of this? Instead of, what are you trying to achieve? This is a ready-fire-aim approach, where user research is essentially brought in to support earlier strengths-based or technology-biased assumptions. When researchers identify a gap in addressing rider needs, they're often not positioned within the organization to raise their concerns. In a way, rider experience research may be tokenized on their tech teams as their existence paints a picture of a team being rider-led even when researchers are disempowered. In the startup world, there are concepts such as the lean startup and fail fast, which relate to the inside-out approach in that they emphasize leader-driven hypotheses and bringing something to market uh, quickly and iterating to achieve product market fit. While they do have innovation potential, they delay customer feedback, depend on costly rework, and rely on luck as a key factor in product success. This doesn't seem to be an issue for investors, but it's not a great way to spend the public's money. Government agencies are not great at building minimally viable products, MVPs, or rough versions of software products to get feedback early because they're overly sensitive to negative feedback. Their attempts at MVPs are too polished and laborious to be truly minimal or iterative, so they can't get to the fast part of fail fast. They often can't even fail properly because they aren't measuring the right indicators. So just completing technology thing and collecting metrics about itself may appear like success. A rider experience research approach. Instead of the inside-out approach, transit tech teams should bravely charge into the areas in which they're needed most. One framework we can review for systematically gathering customer insights is called Jobs to be Done, or JTBD. Jobs to be Done has been around in the public sector for 30 years, where it's used to match efforts and marketing to customer goals. Not what companies think they are or would like them to be. It asserts that people use products to achieve a specific goal, and they call that the customer's job. Jobs to be done says that people hire the product that helps them do what they need to do, and they fire a product when they find a better solution. Jobs to be done can be transformative because it uncovers customers' unmet pain points with precision, giving transit tech teams a tangible artifact to measure customer needs at a granular and concrete level early, allowing work to get prioritized more clearly to customer impact. It's also notable that it has an opinion on innovation. 
teams must first focus on the job the customer wants to get done. The technology or solutions come later. In this way, customer insight drives relevant innovation, building products and solutions from the customer in rather than the product out. This post is not a comprehensive guide of the Jobs to Be Done framework. However, it thoroughly examines parts of the framework to demonstrate their relevance to transit tech. Job Stories for Public Transit The most crucial unit of jobs to be done is the job story. These get written from the customer's perspective, avoiding internal jargon and assumptions. If you're familiar with the Agile framework, they do resemble user stories somewhat. A common approach is to use this structure where it's when, situation, I want to, job, so I can, expected outcome. Let's create a couple for public transit. When I need to go into the office, I want to get there while I sit and read a book so I can avoid stressing and traffic. When I'm selecting a new doctor, I want to see if there's an inexpensive way to get to them so I can save money since I don't drive. You might feel tempted to include something like, when I see an alert about an unplanned service disruption, I want to know immediately so I can tell my boss and avoid getting reprimanded. Now, professional user experience researchers may disagree with me on what I'm about to say. In my opinion, there's a difference between foundational job stories that provide customer insights and those that reflect an artificial goal created by the limitation of a company's own products or services. For example, nobody aspires to hire an alert notification app. People don't want disruptions at all. So getting notified as a job is a job that nobody would apply for. People who ride public transit want to get to places, and the difficulty of using public transit causes people to fire public transit and use alternatives. Public transit itself is always the product we should be paying attention to, not the digital accessories that describe it. Yes, navigating a service alert is a task that is part of the sometimes frustrating experience of using public transit. It is an unfortunate and critical step in many user journeys, but it may be more appropriately expressed as a user story. When you learn about jobs to be done, you invariably see a paraphrased quote from Theodore Levitt, customers don't want to drill, they want a hole in the wall. The spirit of jobs to be done is to center user concerns away from our perspectives as subject matter experts. For example, suppose your work relates to the digital delivery of disruption notifications. In that case, you might live in a world of data divorced from the frustrated experience of riders facing a disruption. Lastly, the drill example also shows that jobs are often enduring, although who or what gets hired changes. For example, Julius Caesar also had the job of communicating over a long distance. He hired horse riders in his era, but he would hire email if he were alive today. Knowing rider jobs in transit tech provides enduring guidance on long-term product strategies. A mobile app for riders. I mentioned in the introduction the use case of a mobile app for a transit agency. Since a mobile app could theoretically improve many aspects of a rider's experience in using public transit, foundational riding-related jobs to be done can help a transit agency consider precisely if, how, when, and to what degree of impact a mobile app could make public transit easier and increase ridership. Jobs to be done reinforces that, transit agency, that a transit agency product is always transit service and apps and websites are accessories. In a way, agency-provided transit tech doesn't really have competition in a meaningful sense. Public transit service does, however. Oddly, a fact that explains much about the current state of public transit is that it has no direct competitors, as transit agencies typically operate regional service monopolies. For instance, besides the government-run subway system that used eminent domain to carve a straight line 
uh, between subway stops, there's no product that does the same thing the same way. So in Massachusetts, I can ride the Orange Line, but there's no competitive subway along a similar route, say the Plaid Line. We want our app to make navigating the sometimes extremely problematic obstacles for riders easier. And various coexisting tools already serve a similar purpose, including other apps, websites, digital screens, printed posters, officials, announcements, etc. Some of these are agency provided and some are not. Together, they are part of the collective fabric of support that intends to help a disrupted rider. Public transit definitely gets fired by riders or ignored due to many compelling secondary competitors. Driving, ride shares, cycling, many options. We see public transit becoming more vibrant where its leaders think strategically and creatively about getting hired and persuading potential riders to fire the competition. Rider goals. In the private sector, many product strategies have a first principle of knowing the target group with elaborate personal descriptions. As such, detailed personas give model customers a face and a personality. However, public transit riders come in all shapes and sizes from all countries, all backgrounds, all salaries, all levels of familiarity with public transit systems, all levels of digital literacy, etc. Without significant characteristic differentiators, these personas are uselessly vague. Age, 10 to 80. No formal education, two PhD. Good or no sense of humor. Earns 10,000 a year to 30,000 per year. Carnivore, omnivore, or vegan. 2020 to no vision, and so on. When personas identify everyone, it's because some products are better defined by customer goals than the customers they serve by considering situations and motivations over roles and attributes. This was put together hastily, but let's consider segmentation criteria on unmet needs. For example, efficiency and time saving. Riders want to reach their destination quickly and efficiently. What's the unmet need? Current transit options may be slow, unreliable, not direct, uh, leading to longer commute times. Segments. Commuters, students, transit dependent. Convenience. Riders want easy access to transit options without lengthy walks or complicated transfers. Unmet need. Lack of conveniently located stops, stations, or routes. Segments. Elderly riders, riders with disabilities, riders with children. Affordability. Affordable transit options for various income levels. Unmet need. Current fare structures might need to be more affordable for some population segments. Segments. Low-income riders, unemployed individuals, students. Comfort and safety. Comfortable and safe riding experiences. Unmet need. Overcrowded, unclean, or unsafe transit vehicles and stations. Segments. Elderly individuals, parents with young children. Accessibility. Transit options that are accessible to individuals with various physical abilities. Unmet need. Station stops of vehicles that are not easily accessible for individuals with disabilities. Segments, riders with disabilities, elderly riders. Customer goal segments tend to be enduring. As such, an innovative achievement for a transit tech team is one that significantly moves the dial for an entire segment as it has the most potential to increase ridership. Agency and rider alignment. A surprising aspect of jobs to be done is that customers can describe the metrics that they use to measure success when trying to achieve their goal, and these metrics can become the key performance indicators that drive a transit agency. Transit tech metrics can be misleading when they only focus on apps or websites, not their broader impact on public transit. For example, let's consider the Uber app. While an, Uber's, uh, while an Uber rider's primary job is traveling, the Uber app is the product that mediates many aspects of that experience, and it's significant when a user adds or removes the app, as it definitely means that Uber has lost or gained a customer. 
If someone removes an agency app, it's possible that they are so satisfied with transit service that they found the app was just taking up space on their phone. The same person could be a transit promoter, encouraging others in their community to use public transit. It's not clear. We see similar unclear data on multi, with multimodal transit agency websites that operate commuter rail services. Commuter rail schedule pages get far more views than most other pages, even if those other pages are for modes with significantly more utilization. What does this mean? Is commuter rail trending? This appears to be driven by commuter rail service being infrequent with high schedule adherence, so a web page with schedules is inherently more useful uh, to that rider population. On the other hand, uh, there are less compelling reasons to go to a website about a mode operating frequent service. You can show up, you probably won't be waiting long. What do page view comparisons between different modes tell agencies? Maybe nothing. On transit tech teams, leaders have a firm grasp on the metrics associated with their products but less clarity on how they feed into the adoption or abandonment of transit service. Today, every transit agency uh, wants to increase ridership, in part through mode switching, yet many perceive this as a marketing problem for a marketing department, as if product sales and utilization aren't impacted by a customer's experience. From the rider to the CEO, being truly rider-led gets everyone working towards ensuring that public transit stays and increases its vitality in society.